The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They're all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The world is a lot different these days, and the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are ready to help you safely navigate it. From helping you figure out the conscientious destinations to helping you figure out entry protocols for different countries, the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are there for you. Looking to work abroad for an extended period of time? Looking to attend virtual school from a remote location? These are all things that Blue Pineapple Travel can help you do. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in their ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust your training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you and to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by SlayRx. You can find those good folks at www.slayrx.com. Are you needing a pleasant spark to take your endurance game to the next level? Are you needing an all-natural, high-quality, customized hydration powder with or without sugar to stave off cramping and dehydration? Are you in need of an effective all-in-one fuel to slay your endurance efforts? Look no more. SlayRx. SlayRx has a really good line of products to serve our most pleasant exhaustion podcast listeners. Let's start with Michelle's favorite, Spark Plug, which replaces sports gel and gross post-race strips to the Porta Johns. It's a poppin' electrolyte powder in small, easily carried tubes. There's also an all-in-one endurance fuel. It has all of your electrolytes, clean fuel, and for no extra cost, your essential amino acids with or without caffeine. And it costs about one-third as much as other brands' combo rocket fuels. Finally, they have my favorite, SlayRx Hydrate Powder, which comes with or without sugar and varying strengths of electrolytes based on your individual needs. They can find those individual needs on the free quiz online at SlayRx.com or with in-person testing like Patrick and I did at their headquarters on podcast episode number 114. Hydrate is the fuel that I use during the Blue Ridge Relay this year, and I recommend it for all of you as well. SlayRx products are 100% natural, come in great flavors, are vegan friendly, and the Hydrate Light is keto friendly. They've all been well researched and developed by a UGA food scientist who's also an Ironman athlete. The products are tested by the pros and endorsed by your fellow endurance athletes and hardworking folks in the community. The free sweat quiz and their products can be found at SlayRx.com, on Amazon.com, or at your local run and bike shop if it's available. You can use the code PLEASANT21 for 10% off at their website. Thanks to SlayRx for sponsoring us, y'all. Give them a try. We appreciate our sponsors, and thanks to all of them for helping us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITL Coaching Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and Slay RX. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta. I'm a father of twin boys, and I'm a college professor. My name is Michelle Frank. I'm also an endurance athlete here in Atlanta, Georgia. I am a CPA, and I am a mom to three girls. And my name is Eric Hall. I am an engineer in Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm also an endurance athlete and coach. 
uh, father to three teenagers and the husband to a beautiful wife, Melissa. Very good. And finisher of the Beast of the East 50 Miler. Well done, man. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, <laughs> that was a fun race. That was actually, that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. For those of you who don't follow the ultra scene in Raleigh or in North Carolina, uh, the 50 miler, which I dare say is probably the majority of our listeners, but go ahead and keep going. <laughs> but I, this is a limitation because somebody from Utah actually came out and ran this race. There you go. A little preview there. This is a, uh, it's actually the beast of the East 100 is the name of the race. If you go on ultra sign up, but they do have a 50 mile, a 25 mile and a marathon distance for the race. And grace picked this one out because it kind of fit with our schedule and it was far enough from Blue Ridge and then early enough before uh, the race I'm doing in mid-January and then and whatnot that we could we could go out and do this. She wanted to do a, a difficult race and this is a difficult race. Um, and this is all about, you know, building her ultra resume to try to get into some, some of the big races out West. So um, it's put on by uh, Dirty Wolf Racing or Dirty Wolf Ultra. And uh, Richard, who's the, the, I don't know, the runner of <laughs> the guy who runs Dirty Wolf Ultra and Dirty Wolf Racing, um, this guy's, he's the real deal. He's awesome. Um, he actually helps you like learn the course. He has two previews where you can come out and see half the course. Mm, that's cool. On two weekends. And then he runs a good race. That's all I can say. Um, he, does, he makes it as hard as possible. He's clear about that. The race is run on the shortest day of the year, so you spend the most time in the dark as possible. Mm -hmm. It's typically really cold. We got super lucky. Uh, Grace and I are not cold weather racers, at least not for long distance runs. And it's usually in the 30s and 40s. And this year it was in the 60s. I think but, we might. But it was pouring rain, right? Well, it dipped into the 50s and then it started raining when it okay. got dark. Okay. Um, so so we, did, we dealt with some weather but I would say the, the hardest part of the race is the course. It's a, it's a, like I said, it's a 25 mile lap and it's sort of two out and backs. It's, it's kind of two out and backs. There's a little extra things. And it's kind of neat because he has you go over these two peaks and the tops of the peaks are both, there's no running involved. It's, mm -hmm. it's scrabbling, it's climbing over around through large rocks or some knife blade rocks and i sent some pictures to you guys and it, it doesn't even look like there's a trail and, and in, and, fact, in fact there's not a trail yeah one, yes, i was gonna say one, one of the pictures you sent to us was a sign that says trail ends here do not enter and there was a course marker on the sign and then there was a course marker about 20 feet past the sign suggesting that you just kind of run on right by that right exactly. one marker to the other <laughs> exactly. It's, it's actually in the reverse direction, which was funny. We didn't even notice that sign until the third time we went through there because we went through there four times mm -hmm. because you're coming the opposite direction. So you're, you're not on the trail and then you're told, Hey, you just got on the trail. Mm. <laughs> but, you know, I, I can't say enough about the way dirty wolf ultras ran the race. Uh, they have the aid stations were great. The, the volunteers were phenomenal um, I, I, I liked the course because it was, like I said, it's probably the hardest ultra course I've ever been on. And not, not that I've done really hard courses, but for a 50 miler to have 10,000 feet of elevation and to go over these 
scraggly rock peaks four times, you know, two times each direction in 50 miles. And then, but the rest of the course, you know, it's tough, but it's not impossible. You know, it's a lot of up and down, a lot of rocks, but then there's, there's sections where you're, you're just in the woods and it's, it's, it's really beautiful. Crowder's mountain state park is where it's run. It's a very narrow. Okay, so that, that was one of my questions. Where is Crowder's mountain state park? Like what part of North Carolina is it in? So it's just to the west of Charlotte, North Carolina. So okay. one of the cool things about the race course is you, you actually run down to the North Carolina, South Carolina border. Mm-hmm. So the bottom end of the course, uh, the, the, the second out and back portion of the course, you run down and he's got some cones set up that are, you know, simulating the state line and you got to run across it and run back. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I can't say enough about how he ran the race. Um, he, he has some other uh, events he does also. So I recommend, you know, get on ultra and, uh, you know, ultra sign up. That's where most of his races are and look for dirty wolf ultras, dirty wolf racing and try one out. Um, All right. I have questions. I know that Michelle does too. First question. So there was a, there was a uh, question as to whether you were going to run with grace or whether you were going to run on your own. Uh, it sounds like you decided to run with grace, right? I did. This wasn't a, a race for me and the progression with grace. If you're a, if you're a listener, if you're a, you know, if you listen to a lot of this, you hear about grace a lot. Grace is my 18 year old daughter got into ultras about three years ago. And she's just, she's kind of turned into a beast about it. But friend of the podcast, she was on the podcast earlier this year talking about her 100 mile accomplishment, her 100 mile finish. Right. And if you remember that 100 miler, I was more of a a Sherpa for her on that race. So I was really driving the solution to all the problems I was navigating. I was, you know, keeping track of hydration and fueling. And, you know, when we, when we stopped, you know, different things that we needed to do with the aid stations and, but this has been a progression with grace and this race was about grace running a race on her own. So originally the intention was we were both going to go out there and race. Well, if you've been listening, you also know that I've been injured. I ran a couple of short races that I said I was just going to jog and I didn't. Um, and then, so we got to this weekend and I started thinking through how difficult this was going to be. And I realized this isn't the one for her to run on her own, but the way we, you know, kind of went through that progression with her is I said, here's your map. I am going to run next to you or behind you. I'll talk to you, but I'm not going to give you any direction unless you ask. And she took that. She really, really wanted to make this her thing. Um, and I pretty much followed her the whole time. Uh, she, you know, checked her turns. She made sure where she was in the right space at the right time. She handled her fueling and her hydration. And I'll, I'll put out there, if you're an ultra runner that struggles with fueling and hydration, uh, Grace has struggled with that in every single ultra she's done, except for this one. She finally thinks she figured it out. And it came down to don't eat too much, don't drink too much. Um, you know, despite the fact that it was fairly warm and humid, she really was careful about how much she took in uh, on the liquid side. And on the fueling side, she's, I don't, she didn't eat a lot. I'll just, I'll just put it that way. She did not eat a lot. And she thinks, you know, her, her concept is at a 50, you don't really need to eat. You almost need to get like twice as much to do a hundred as what her thought is, so, but she scaled that back and she didn't have stomach issues at any point during the race. Um, so, so to your point, your, your question, George, I ran with grace. Uh, I ran the entire thing with 
grace. And, um, you know, I guess I didn't talk about finishing or anything that we finished in 1433, which seems like a long time for a 50 miler. But if you, you know, you were listening, there were sections where we're doing 25 minute miles, you know, you just, you can't go any faster. That's just the terrain. And then it gets dark and then it starts to rain and it's even slower. So, you know, some of those sections where we ran through the first time, the second time we kind of shuffled because with the, the leaf cover and now the leaves are wet and then now they're, they've got wet leaves sitting on rocks. It was just too, uh, too easy to slip, hit your head on something and be out of the race completely. So we, we really throttled it back on the second lap. Uh, she still finished second for the females first in her age group. Um, that's like every race she runs because she's eight. <laughs> sure. And she finished 13th overall, which was, there were 28 finishers. I think there were 60 people signed up for the 50 and only 26 finish or 28 finishers. So she was in the upper half of the finishers. And, and after her, it was like hours, like it, it quickly became hours where people were finishing after her. So, so yeah, so the, th that's the answer to your question. I think George. Good for her. Good for her. Um, since we just did a whole podcast on trail shoes, uh, inquiring minds want to know what shoes did you and Grace wear? It was mm -hmm. wet. It was leafy. It was slippery. Mm -hmm. What were your shoes of choice? Yeah, we always talk about shoes because that's what we do. Um, yeah, so I've talked about the shoe, and you know the answer to the question. It's great. Um, I've talked about this, these shoes before. Uh, when I noticed the weather and the terrain, I immediately put on my um, speed crosses, my speed cross GTX, um, the Solomons, and because I've, I've never raced in them and I wanted to see if they were all that in a bag of chips. And I'll say from a traction standpoint, they are those shoes and, and they didn't destroy me. You know, I don't, I, I don't think they really tore me up because I figured they don't really have the cushion that a lot of shoes have, or they don't feel like it. Um, so from a traction standpoint, from a, you know, protecting my legs over 50 miles standpoint, they did a really good job. Uh, I never slipped. I didn't slip once. And I'm talking on wet, you know, slick rock faces. And I think Michelle, you would agree that those are probably the stickiest shoes you've ever run in. Is it the combination of the Conta grip and, and the five millimeter lugs? I mean, what is it that make those shoes? First of all, I have to admit, you sent us a picture of your shoes and a gator. And I was actually surprised that you were wearing the speed cross. I did a double take. I was like, he just ran 50 miles in those. There's no way that felt good, but I didn't, I didn't know at the time how bad the weather and how wet and slick it was. So I think if, if I was actually running that as a race race, I think I would have been, been even in better shape wearing those. Um, it, wow. it's a little pounding. It's difficult for me to, you know, cut my stride and stuff. I'm, I'm taking more steps. You know, it, it was 89,000 steps for the race. I think if I was racing, that would have been a lot less. So, yeah. so I would race in those shoes again. Now, your question about, I think it is the rubber. I think the rubber is a big deal. That, that rubber, rubber technology is, is what gives you grip. But I, you make a really good point about the lugs themselves. I made a comment in the last podcast that I was on about these shoes where the front, the front lugs are shaped like they're pointing forward, their arrows pointing forward or chevrons and the rear ones are chevrons pointing backwards. I think that makes a big difference because it grabs onto little things and it funnels it, you know, into those, those chevrons to give you grip. I think it's also important that they're tall because not, not for the deep mud. I mean, you're, you're going to get that kind of paddle wheel effect in the deep mud. 
But also on those rock faces, because they're tall, they actually flex a little bit. So you get a little more grip, not so much something that's, that's sticking to the rock and, and, and immovable, but something that will flex a little bit. Um, because when, when you talk about friction, which friction is what's keeping you from slipping, there's two types. There's static friction and there's dynamic friction. And anybody who's walked on ice before knows you can kind of tiptoe across the ice and not slip. But as soon as you start slipping, you can't stop. <laughs> and that's because dynamic friction is as much as, well, the, it's, it's just less. It's much less. Once you get moving, you're going to keep moving. So having that little bit of flex in those five millimeter uh, lugs keeps you from getting into that dynamic mode where you're sliding uh, just a little bit more. So I, I think it's both, Michelle. Um, now I, I am going to throw a couple complaints because this really, I, I, I was really surprised about this. So they have a, they have a really nice insole in the shoes. And I've had issues with shoes that get in the rain like this before. Um, if you ever had a pair of Zantes, they did this all the time. Uh, but the insoles actually shifted on me. And it was just the heel of the insoles. And they, they folded, both of them folded up to the inside, I think it was. So the, the front of the insole was in place, but the back of the insole rolled up to the inside. I didn't notice this while I was running. The shoe felt a little weird, but I didn't notice it. And part of the, the, the problem there is that that heel of the shoe is just so big. And because the heel of the shoe is big and because I can't get it laced down nice and tight because I can't do a heel lock because of its lacing configuration, it has that Solomon lacing, you know, loop. Um, I think there was a lot of play in my heel and I don't think that the insoles are in there very well. Compounding that is these are Gore-Tex shoes. These are GTX shoes. I've never run in pouring rain in them. Uh, within three minutes of running in the rain in them with gators on that are shedding the water out of them, I had two little swimming pools on my feet. Um, Ugh, that's awful. And I think that partly caused the insoles to shift because you get that water under the insole and then all that. Yeah. So that's what happened in the Zantes for sure. So, so that happened. And the only blisters I have from the whole race, uh, one on the outside of one heel and one on the inside of the other heel, um, places that don't usually get blisters. They didn't stop me. They did hurt, but I was, I wasn't about to take my shoe off and slow grace down at any point. Uh, but that's kind of a complaint. I don't understand how a, G, a GTX shoe, a Gore-Tex shoe would get wet so quickly. And I, so it was a disappointment. Now, Michelle, you've mentioned before the shoe drains like a freaking dream. So as soon as you're out of the water, the water's gone. And that's how Gore-Tex is supposed to work. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely crazy. So if I can figure out that fit in the heel, I might wear them again for a race, but I don't, I don't think I will. It's what fun. did Grace wear? Oh, what did Grace wear? Oh, so Grace wore her Brooks. Oh, shoot. Cascadia? No, I'm sorry. It's their New Balances. Their New Balances. She oh, had, the Hero? The Yes. She wore her New Balance Heroes. The same, literally. That's the same shoe she wore for the 100. That's right. She wore the same shoes that she wore for the 100. So those uh, have a vibrant rubber on the bottom of them, right? They do. And she did not fare as well as I did on the slick rocks. She did still have pretty good grip. I think they're fair grip, but they're okay. nowhere near as good as the, the uh, Solomons. So I mean, that's not surprising to yeah. be fair. They're not made for the Solomons no. were made for what you wore them for those right. new balancer. Right. Say one, one more thing about her, her shoes. 
Um, if you're a wide foot runner, that's a great shoe for a wide footed runner. Um, Grace has a really wide forefoot. Uh, she has a very narrow heel like I do too. And we have this insane lacing um, system on her shoes to get that shoe to fit right. So we, we've got it in the heel. She had no heel blisters, which was great, but she did get blisters on her big toes. And just like during the 100, I mean, it was almost like the exact same kind of point in the race and manner. She kicked a rock and one of those blisters blew up. And if anybody's had like a big blister blow up between your toes, it's like someone took a knife or, or sandpaper and they're like, just like grinding your, your, your toe, this, this raw, um, this raw skin. So we actually pulled off to the side of the trail in the rain and we, we did another uh, trail blister care. And she just said, do what you did on the hundred dad. And she didn't say it like that. It was, it was a little more frantic, but, but, um, that book I have about taking care of your feet and I, I would, I, I'll get the name of it so we can put it out somewhere, but I really recommend people who run ultras to learn how to do that stuff. Cause it took about 15 minutes, maybe tops, maybe 10 minutes. And she was back running and she ran 20 miles, um, after doing that blister repair. And that's a, you know, that can be a game changer, um, learning how to take care of your feet. So just, just something to throw out there. Awesome. Very yeah. good. What's Very next? Good. Anything? <laughs> yeah. You said, you said there's some race in January that this was far enough out from that. So. Well, so that's a, that's a race that friend of the podcast, Lee Ragsdale and I are doing. We're doing a 20 K relay race. Each of us runs 10 K one K at a, at a time on a, on an old uh, NASCAR dirt track in North Carolina, mm -hmm. the Okanichi Speedway. Each mm -hmm. lap's a K. Um, and you just switch off. You can run two if you want or three. Is that, you... is that in Asheville? No, no, it's here in Raleigh. Well, okay. it's in, it's in Durham. It's in Durham. I think it's the oldest, uh, NASCAR track or it was, yeah, it's the oldest NASCAR track in North Carolina. Cool. It's kind of cool. So we're going to go out and do that as a change. We would typically run the Southern tour ultra that time, but with Grace being in school, she, she can't make that happen. So her next race, her next target race is the keys 100. Um, in Key oh, West. And, you know, the, the progression, right? She's running that all on her own. Melissa and I will probably just be crew for her, run mm -hmm. some stages with her. That race is run. Um, it, it's it's an unsupported race. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's set up sort of like the bad water. And it's, it's on asphalt. It's, except it's on asphalt and it has pretty much zero elevation other than the bridges you go over. And it's hot. And it's hot. It's hot. <sighs> So I have, I have, I have ridden my bike over the course that, that is the keys 100 course, but, but I've certainly never run any of it. So we'll probably end up talking to you about it before we go do it then. Awesome. <laughs> Very good. Uh, and I, and I know a guy who's done it. Um, and so I can, I can put you in touch with him for sure. I know a couple of people have done it as a matter of fact. So, um, very cool, man. Very Not good. To forget, she's also signed up for the, for Peyton's. So if it works oh, out yeah. with her schedule in school, she'll be down there for Peyton's wild and wacky 10 by 5k in South Carolina. Very good. Very good. It's fun for me talking about races. So not next week. We're not going to be getting together to record next week, but but uh, the last week of 2021, we're going to get together and we're going to be reflecting on the year and stuff like that. Um, and so it's it's fun to start talking about races and thinking about races we're going to get in and stuff like that. I didn't realize until I was looking back over my log 
um, a couple of days ago, just in preparation for thinking about, you know, our reflections on 2021 uh, for the podcast we're going to do in a couple of weeks, that I've, I raced a bunch this year. Um, so far this year, I've done 36 races. Wow. Um, 29 of those 36 races were from January to July. Um, wow. And so, so I, I set this torrid pace of racing and that includes like Zwift races and stuff like that, for sure. It's bike races and it's duathlons and it's running races. Um, but I set this torrid pace for races and, and I got accustomed to doing all these races. And then over the course of the fall, um, being enmeshed in a, in a political campaign and the start of the school year and other things, um, I ended up not really racing as much. And so the prospect of, of, you know, kind of, putting a lot more races back on the calendar and doing a lot more races over the course of the next short while um, is, is very exciting for me. So um, I'm looking forward to joining you and Grace at the, uh, at the 10 by 5k in March, but I have a few other races on the calendar before that as well. Um, before I do the Sugarloaf Marathon in May, um, a race of which Michelle Frank is an alumnus, <laughs> a race that I should mention also that Michelle has guaranteed me that Joan Benoit Samuelson, one of my running heroes, will show up for. I said 97 percent, 99. That's a critical three <laughs> percent. I'm gonna have to explain to you where to go the night before, the day before, to even Ooh. up the odds. Ooh, hey, you will. That's good to know. <laughs> so, thank you for that, Michelle. It's so good having somebody who is in the know uh, <laughs> as your podcast co-host. Um, speaking of podcast co-hosts, one of the things that I wanted to do today, and thank you, Eric, congrats again for telling us about, um, about your long race there, uh, was to talk about the, uh, the long podcast interview that we did last week um, with uh, your inspiration and all around good guy, Pat. Um, that was fun, Michelle. I enjoyed that. I told you. to be honest i'm mostly a little bit dumbfounded that it took until now for me to just not even to invite him on to just (laughs) put it together that we need to have him on and why haven't we had him on um but i guess you know talking about the timeline of him coming back in december 2019 and the way that we would get together would be, you know, on a Sunday after a run outside the Starbucks and Ansley mall. And that doesn't, that never happened much in the last, you know, 11 years that I've known him 11, 12 years in the winter. I mean, it did, but not as much. And the combination of that and COVID kind of made sense as to, I guess why it just happened now, but thought it was pretty good for episode 200. And I, thought, and you mentioned this in the podcast, but it was clear that he was still pretty freshly processing his experience. Wasn't that interesting? I thought that was super interesting. I mean, because, Um, because the guy finished it a year and a half ago. I mean, he finished it more than a year and a half ago. He finished it two years ago. ago. Yeah. Um, And, and yeah, it was right at two years ago that he finished. Yeah. And, and it was clear that he's still processing it. Um, sure. And he said, you know, I've talked to all these other people or, or some of the other people who have done it, and they kind of can't really wrap their mind around what it means and what it all is. And I thought it was so interesting. He said, he said, a lot of them want to go back out there. 
you know what I'm saying? And so, yeah. so I think it's so interesting that, that like he can't quite make sense of it. And so his reaction and the, or at least the reaction of some other people who are in a similar situation is to say, well, I can't quite figure out what all this means. So maybe I should go out there and keep running until I kind of figure out what it all means. And, and, and that sort of thing. I just think that's so interesting that, that, that he, he was not able to kind of wrap his mind around the significance of it yet. Um, it's interesting because I, I wonder when people, and I think we hear this a lot when people complete you know, huge through hikes, PCT, continental divide, whatever the AT, and they want to go do it again, or they do do it again. And I feel like the feeling of finishing, it just never, it just stays right there on like the outermost part of your heart and your mind. Mm -hmm. But it's like, do they want that finishing feeling again? Or do they actually want to go through, you know, a hundred days of running 30 miles a day. And for Pat, it was more than that. I think it was a little over 3,400 miles, but Mm -hmm. um, it's hard to know, you know, what exactly that means. But I do think it's something that we hear often uh, when reading people's stories of these runs or these rides or these big long hikes. Um, He would probably do it again. (laughs) I don't know if Terry would go again. (laughs) I've got an answer and I didn't participate in the, the interview, but I did listen to it. And I think the answer to that isn't, I want to finish again. Because I, I think the finish of events like that, you know, I've done 250 miles on the Appalachian Trail. So I haven't done, you know, a through hike, but I can tell you when I finished, it was a, it wasn't a celebratory finish. It was more of a, man, I, I really enjoyed that. And now I'm not sure I really want to go back to normal. Yeah. I mean, I, so I feel like that. I feel like I heard that in his, you know, he did not, he didn't say that, but I feel like I heard that. And I I really, when he started talking about, you know, I started this as I want to get out there and I want to, you know, I've got this plan and I'm going to stick to it. And we got in this routine, he said, and then it started to become, we got to get it done. You know, we got to get it done. We got to get it done. And I think that's part of like the progression. It's like part of the five steps of like this type of event or something. Like you get into this mode where I got to get it done, but then you finish and you're like, man, I really miss what I had. The simplicity of I go to bed, I get up, eat my breakfast, walk my dog. I go run 20 or 30 miles. I come back. It's just my wife and I and the RV. We treat this, treat that, eat, stretch, sleep get to yeah. do it all over again it yeah. just the simplification of life is pretty cool i think in those things and that's why whenever it's a good point yeah whenever you whenever you finish a big long thing like that like i remember melissa and i when we did the 250 miles of the appalachian trail we did not want to be around people when we came back it was too much yeah it just you didn't want to go to the mall you didn't want to go to a restaurant you didn't want to go anywhere because it was too loud, it was too chaotic, there were too many expectations of what you did, when you did it, how you did it. So I tried to dive into this a bit when I asked him, you know, when he finished about um, recovery and and reentry. And I you asked him if he was sore, which I thought was hilarious, by the way, but keep going. (laughs) Yeah, I should have divided the question to, you know, the whole topic of recovery was he sore we don't need to keep talking about the fact that he wasn't sore and he felt bad that he wasn't continuing to run um but i guess if you don't want to be sore you can just go run across america according to pat <laughs> um but the re-entry part i kind of wanted to hone in on a bit more and i feel like i didn't really get a chance but i know where to find him so i guess for him maybe a lot of that 
uh, maybe one of the reasons, you know, I was thinking that the processing might be so fresh is they went right away and did a ton of stuff. Like they immediately went to family and, you know, stayed on the West coast. And it's almost like he didn't even have that chance to really uh, be alone or debrief or I don't know. But I mean, I totally hear that. Yeah. Well, I think it's, I think to your point, Eric, too, um, that, that it's so simple. I mean, the guy, I don't know if I've ever talked to somebody who loves running as much as he clearly does. You know? <laughs> um, I mean, and, and, and clearly I like running a lot. I've been doing it for a long time and, and I'm a co-host on a podcast that's mostly about running. And so, so clearly I like running obviously, but I don't know that I've ever talked to somebody who likes running clearly as much as he does. Um, and, and so for him, like that's an ideal life, you know, get up, have your breakfast, walk your dog, like you said, and then just spend all day running for, and he did that for more than three months. I mean, that, that would, that would be kind of awesome. And so I imagine that the reentry to life would be even more difficult because he's literally getting away from probably his ideal existence. He probably got to live his dream life for three months. Um, and then now he has to go back to living a pretty good life, I'm sure. Um, but, but not his dream life anymore. And that, that would be tough. Well, you know? I, I think he's built for that life too. Hmm. I think his mentality, I think obviously his, you know, fitness level, but his, his body, you asked him what he, what he got injured. Yeah. He broke his big toe falling off a fence and then he starts talking about his hand or something like because he, he encountered rattlesnake. a rattlesnake. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't like what about your hamstrings, right. your calves, your quads? Yeah. Your he's like he's like nah, steel. No. He's <laughs> like he's yeah. dude's made of steel. Are you honestly? Yeah. Also, he's a not only that he's a beautiful runner. Like you see him running in town on the roads. It's yeah, it's really unfair. Like he's just kind of gifted with all that. Maybe those mechanics help you not hurt yourself. But I just, I, when I heard that, I was like, God, man, you're like unreal. That, that's like a dream for me. We'd probably like running me more. Too. Hurt. Yeah. <laughs> me too. Me too. Yeah, no, me too. The grass is always greener on the other side, but, but I certainly, you know, hear him talking about going out and running 30 miles a day for more than three months without any injury. And I'm like, I can't run three miles a day for five days in a row without my Achilles being sore. Now um, you can. So, so it's a little sore. <laughs> I have been, I have been, uh, I haven't been stacking up some races and everything. We can talk about I know, that I was later if we say. want to, but, uh, um, but, uh, but, but um, we'll talk more about my, uh, my injury status and, and my excitement around running and planning events and that sort of thing in our wrap up podcast in a couple of weeks. But, but I, I wonder, I mean, I think that, that that's a combination of, of nature and nurture. I think it's a combination of that, that beautiful stride that he has. The fact that he grew up playing sports probably made him a more efficient runner because he grew up running very naturally, you know, and, and, and developed those neural pathways that, that, that kids develop by doing sports at a very young age. But, um, but I think that, that, I mean, he said that when he first started running, he would go out and run for four hours and would just kind of spend all day. And so he's been doing like three plus four plus hour runs on the regular for 50 years. It's true. <laughs> you know? um, and so it's funny because we ask him about training and, and, and essentially 
I didn't really get this when we talked to him. I got it when I re-listened to it. Essentially what he did for training is he just went out and ran 20 miles a day. Um, and, and but he slowed down to 15 he, yeah, he, he, he slowed, per mile. He slowed himself down and, and just ran 20 miles a day, day after day, after day, after day, after day, in anticipation of when he actually got out there of running about 30 miles a day, he said. Um, and uh, at a very, very relaxed pace for him. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, I was... I was obviously very struck by the fact that, that he was able to get through it as well as he was, but it's, it's a good example of something we always talk about that it wasn't just about the training block that he did specifically preparing for this endeavor. Um, it was about the literally five decades worth of work he had done uh, prior to this, uh, getting ready for this um, incredible undertaking, crossing the United States, running 3,470 miles in a row. So pretty amazing. Um, pretty amazing. I also, um, there's, I, I, when I was titling the podcast, when I uploaded it, I actually referred to him as a running guru. Cause that actually felt like the best thing to do. And because I, I felt like he does have as a result of not just this event, but 50 years worth of running, he did have some wisdom to share. Um, and I really, really, really liked his idea of, of, um, that, that you decide what you're going to do and then you kind of figure out how to make it happen. And, and you just, you start from the, the, the point that, okay, let's assume that I can do this. Let's assume that we can get this done. Now let's actually figure out how to get it done. Um, I really kind of like that attitude. Um, and of course I, I loved him talking, Michelle, about, you know, your, your first marathon, oh. that you were a marathon runner already. You just didn't know it. Um, yeah, that I was news that. to me. <laughs> so I thought it was great. Has, has he ever said anything like that to you before? No. And the fact that he follows me on Instagram, I didn't know that either. <laughs> So he's not the type like, so he must uh, really be keeping up with me more than I think. <laughs> Evidently he is the type. So, um, but, but I love that, um, that idea of, of not letting fear be an impediment, um, of, of boldly going in the direction that, that, that you want to go. Um, I thought that was great. I mean, he is right. You can't think, I mean, everybody has something in life that just the fear of failure, the fear of whatever holds you back from it. I think we'll talk about him a little bit more too in a few weeks. So our first podcast of 2022 is going to be discussing uh, the principles of groundedness, the Brad Stolberg book um, that, that we've read. In some ways, he seemed to me, Michelle, and you tell well, me because, is, because, because you've engaged more deeply with the book than I have. He, he seems grounded. to be the, like the epitome of groundedness. He is right. That's yeah. why I find him like so admirable. All of these hookups and things that I get stuck on, he is either already worked through it or it doesn't bother him or he can just tell me to get over it. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, he's, I mean, he can be tough also. I think he mentioned about <laughs> the times I almost quit running because of him, but yeah, I would say he's as close as I've ever met a person to like Brad Solberg's definition of just being a grounded human. Um, yeah, he, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that he's on Instagram because I, I wouldn't have expected that because I don't think he needs that, you know? It, totally not. He does uh, not need he, that. You know, I, I think some people need Instagram. They like need a reason to, I, I don't know what it is, but he, when, when you guys are talking to him, I started thinking like, this guy just does this stuff because he wants to. He could care less if anybody knows he did this. Like he, he would, he just said, you know, he talked about the, 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 
I, I thought this was funny. He was talking about the triathlons, right? Oh, I got into triathlon. You know, 1983, <laughs> I did my first triathlon. He's like, oh, then I did an Ironman. And then I realized I was getting like, it was taking up all my time and it was wearing me out and I was falling asleep at work. Yeah. So I decided to go ride 13,000 miles. It took six months to figure eight in North America. <laughs> like, wait a minute. Like that didn't like, take much time though. Right. No, he, he's, he's not doing this. Like what's the next big thing that somebody, he, he's not going to go, go get an FKT because it doesn't mean anything to him. It doesn't he, mean anything time. It doesn't, I mean, he no, did go through a phase to experience it. And that is so yeah. cool. It's interesting because I think when he qualified for Boston, you, we'd have to look this up, but I think he had to run a 250. I think he had to run a two. Does he that, said he that ran 248. Yeah. So he had to run like a 249.59 or below, but there's so few times that he talks about times and running mm-hmm. like all these hundred mile races, you know, Leadville, Western States, 41 strolling gym finishes. I have no concept of what those times are probably just because when you talk to him about that, it doesn't matter there's like so much more of a story to it. It has like the time is irrelevant. Well, and, he, and he's clearly he's and getting back to the groundedness thing. He's clearly very driven. Um, and this is the thing that, that I've kind of had a hard time with the book with so far as you know, Michelle, but we'll, we'll get to that in a few weeks. He's clearly very driven if for no other reason, because that that 13,000 mile bike trip like the person that he described as a really good cyclist that he was playing and just kind of key off of the whole kind, let that, let that guy set the pace. That guy didn't even finish it. Right. <laughs> um, and so, so he's clearly, he clearly has in him some drive um, and some really, really kind of tough as nails, both mentality and physicalities. Um, and, and that's not, that's not necessarily the impression you get when you talk to him, you know? Um so yeah, I really, I, I thought he was great. Um, I, uh, I feel like he, like he said, you know, I'm happy to talk about running anytime. And I'm kind of like, well, you want to come back on next week? You want, you want to be, you want to be <laughs> well, a new podcast? Do, do, do you want to, do you want to be a co-host on the podcast? <laughs> Can you imagine like I had never run longer than a half marathon, but if you're running with him and you're going on a four hour run, he's talking the whole time. He's just telling story after story. I mean, who wouldn't want to become a marathon runner? Like, this is what I got to do every Sunday. Part of the problem is we mentioned they sold their house and they bought an RV. So now that he's back and they came back, they're up in the North Georgia mountains. So they have a cabin up there and then they didn't have a house here. They had an RV and then there was COVID. So they're just kind of there. (laughs) So, um, but I think, I think Atlanta needs a new Pat Benienda. And I nominate Michelle Frank to be the next Pat Benienda. I really, nobody, nobody can be him. <laughs> you don't I think, understand. I think they need somebody to bring together everybody at 5.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings in Ansley Mall to do these four-hour runs and just talk the entire time. I think you're the it one, was, Michelle. We had a good thing going for years. It was, it was great. It's like some of my best memories. And every, all, everybody was old like him. He's 67. Like everybody would. Yeah. I like how you kept calling him old. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait to make the, way to make the podcast guests feel welcome, Michelle. It just, <laughs> it makes me seem more well-rounded. I'm friends with everybody. By calling him. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love these people. They were so fun. I mean, I remember Gavin used to call me and be like, are you ever coming home? And I'd be like, oh, I've only been having coffee for 45 minutes after my three hour run. <laughs> but yeah, it was good. We had some good memories. So 
Awesome. Very good. How do you Very run good. for four hours out of Ansley Mall? That's like the worst place. I can place tell you exactly what we did. Do you so want to Ans- know? What so, so Ansley, Ansley Mall, because we do have listeners who, who are not familiar with uh, with Midtown Atlanta. Ansley Mall is, is a mall across the street from Piedmont Park in, in Midtown Atlanta that is urban it is not it is not in the middle of a forest it is not soft trails anything like yeah. that. we, so we ran heavily traffic lots of traffic lights yeah gosh it was so good we i mean sometimes we would go back onto cab industrial and run six miles and just pound out these eight minute miles all the way to the far marta station and north to cab loop come back around and it was it was good take ponts all the way back to the city take ponts all the way up to Peachtree. Go south on Peachtree, come back through. You're Ansley making Park. it worse, Michelle. Yeah. Like, like the, the way that you're describing it now. I, I, I presumed you were going to say, oh, well, there's lots of really good kind of quiet neighborhoods near there, no. which there are. And so no. we would get off into those neighborhoods and we'd run all through the neighborhoods and up and down those hills. Rather, what you said is that we got on the, all the major thoroughfares and ran alongside of them. And then we would get yeah. off a major thoroughfare <laughs> and onto the another major thoroughfare. And it was... And- pitch black and there were no cars and we ran down the middle of the road and he just has the most amazing stride and we all just followed him hmm. it was great it's like a pied piper <laughs> like that there's scenes out of uh, forrest gump <laughs> hmm. i'm telling you michelle you need to be the the new pat atlanta needs somebody to play that role and and i see you We'll see. Awesome. Very good. Very good. Um, all right. So we talked about Pat. We talked about the 50 miler. What else are we going to talk about today? Well, let's do that segue from the 50 miler. <laughs> what, what, what was the uh, hashtag? The, 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 the segue to the 50 miler is all about the guy who won the 100 miler, right? But you said right. that, that there was uh, that, that Carl Meltzer, one of the most, uh, most prolific 100 meter winners of all time, was there, right? Not 100 meter. He Did I say 100 meter, 100 mile? Yeah, big difference. My bad. Um, yeah, yeah. Cr- crucial difference. Usain Bolt was not there. Carl no. Meltzer was there, right? The guy from Utah. Yep. Uh, so we've actually talked about Carl Meltzer on the podcast before when he set the uh, the AT through record a few years ago that, w- that was subsequently beaten. But um, 16. So what'd you say? 2016 wasn't it yeah it was a while back it was before either one of y'all were on the podcast but he was the, he was at the race you did yes he was it was it was pretty cool too um probably saw him twice three times but i still consider that i ran with him so that's why i put the hashtag <laughs> on my Strava because i do care what people think about me apparently I didn't think I did. but um no so i, I go to check-in and I'm checking in with this guy and he's, he's asking me about grace and, you know, cause he knows she's 18 and I'm telling her, telling him, and he goes, uh, he said, well, you know, we, Carl's out here. I'm like, Carl, Carl, Carl. He's like, Carl Meltzer. I was like, Oh really? You know, that's, that's really cool. He's like, yeah. So we figure he's going to win the hundred. And, you know, I, I kind of processed that overnight and I talked to grace about it and the start was just so hectic. It wasn't like, we showed up literally like five minutes before the race started. So it just, <laughs> but it's such a small race. You can do that when, you know, we walk up there and didn't even think about it, but then we didn't see him until we were crossing paths with him. Mm-hmm. So he had gotten quite a ways out ahead of us and he's coming back, but this guy, I mean, he's just a beast and he's just jogging along. You know, I, I think his thing is he sets a really good pace and he just never slows down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for those of you who don't know him, he wears arguably one of my one of my favorite shoes, not necessarily my go-to shoe, but his, his 
his nickname's a speed goat. Uh, so he's got a shoe named after him. Where's Hoka? He's got a Hoka jacket. He's got Hoka gloves. He's got Hoka everything, right? And uh, what was, I think, the coolest part of the, one of the coolest parts of the race for me, uh, outside of the running of the race with Grace, was we stopped at the, I think it was the second to last aid station. So we're on our way back through to the finish, and we're, we're 10 miles out maybe, and his pacer was there. So he was picking up a pacer on his third lap and he was going to run with them to the end of the race. And his pacers says, yeah, you know, he's about, he's got about an hour and a half on the guy behind him. And I said, okay. Yeah. And I said, he said, but that guy looks really good. He's like, that guy looks really good. And Carl really wants to win this one. And I got two things out of that. The, the first thing was I looked at the guy and I said, well, if he's an hour and a half behind Carl, it's probably, he's looking good. Cause he ain't running the pace that Carl's running. <laughs> I said, but he's an hour and a half behind him. <laughs> and I, I don't see that changing. Uh, I think I think he ended up beating him by three hours, something like that. But the other thing I got out of that with his second comedy is like, Carl really wants to win this one. And I didn't go back and check the records, but this might've been one of his last chances in 2021 to win a hundred. Mm. And if you don't, you know, you sort of let, let it out, but I think he has 20 years or more of winning a 100 mile race. Yeah. That's one of his claims to fame. Yeah. And he came out and this was not an easy race. He had 20,000 feet of elevation change, you know, up. Uh, I talked about those, those difficult portions of the course. Uh, and he had to go through those twice as many times as I did and not get hurt, not slip, not, you know, like, and, and he didn't. And he finished and he won and it was, it was pretty cool. He did, uh, he did slow down for that last lap. I think he saw he had it in the bag and he took it easy. And I think that was really smart. You know, why, why go push yourself on a course like that? So, yeah, he's, he's won more 100 mile races than anybody else. Um, and I think it's, I think it's right around 50 races that he's won 50, 100 mile races that he's run one, which is just kind of incredible. Um, Think about winning 50, like 5Ks. You'd be a pretty successful runner if you'd won, you know, 55Ks. Dude's won 50 100 milers, um, <laughs> which is just insane. And like you said, he wins one per year. Um, and this might have actually been squeaking it in here just in time in 2021 to make sure that streak stayed alive. So, okay. yeah. So, and he's 54. 54. Years yeah, he's, he's 54. 54 years old. This guy's not a spring chicken. He's still out there killing it. Right on. That's very cool. Yeah, and if the, you the seen him run, he is not a beautiful runner. <laughs> not like Pat. <laughs> no, I have never seen Pat run, but I mean, this he runs uh, penguin toad. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a shuffle. Mm -hmm. um, he doesn't have George's arm swing or my arm swing, but it's <laughs> it's just not pretty. So it's it was kind well, of. It might not have been a weekend of pretty running at Desert Solstice because the female winner also wasn't a pretty runner. Hey, <laughs> but it there's was a, a segue. <laughs> but it was a weekend of pretty fast record-breaking running, so you can't have both. <laughs> so very good. Last last word on Speed Goat. Uh, so is to give a shout out to our man Justin Dugan, friend of the podcast, who uh, who I saw and hung out with at a trail race this weekend on Sunday, and he was wearing the Hoka Speed Goats, as a matter of fact. And why wasn't he wearing those speed goats, George? Because Michelle told him to buy them. 
That's exactly yes. <laughs> that is exactly right. So for sure, Michelle, <laughs> Michelle told him to buy him. He he asked Eric for a second opinion. Eric said, "Yeah, you should buy them," and 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 that's exactly what he did. Um, and he he wore them to a second place Masters finish at uh at the the uh, Red Top twenty five k this past weekend. So so good because job to him. The first place Masters won the whole thing. So no no. So the overall winner and the first place Masters were two different guys, but. Yeah, the no, uh, uh, the I I won the whole thing. Yeah, but but I was the overall winner, and so when you're the overall winner, they give the uh, the Masters winner to somebody else. And so, so Justin was really third. So <laughs> so uh, he was the third finisher over the age of forty. He was the second okay. place in the Masters category. So, That's good. Um, um, he also suggested to me that I start watching a show on Netflix called Drive to Survive, all about F one which is oh, fascinating. Um, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's super good. Um, and so, so yeah, if you haven't watched it, Eric, you should totally be watching it. But what is uh, the F1 rage? Why now? What, like, what did I miss? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, anyway, so let's get back to that awesome segue that Michelle, you made just <laughs> a second ago. And then I wrecked um, that, that yes, one of the world's ugliest runners, Camille Heron, uh, broke her own 100 mile record this past weekend. Tell us about it. Well, let's just um, clarify. Camille herself is not ugly. The way that she runs. Yeah. Okay. Is Thank you for that. <laughs> remarkably lanky, and if Thank you look you at that. her gait, it makes no sense how she goes as fast as she goes. But she goes. Important um, distinction. Thank you for that. Yes. yes. You're welcome. She had said about you know very close to the start of the race that she was going to go for the 24 hour record, and during the race. Um, she obviously decided that running, trying to, trying to best her own 100 mile American record, she thought was a lot more doable than being out there for 24 hours. And that she did. She ran 13 hours, 21 minutes and 51 seconds. And she had previously run 13 hours and 25 minutes. So can you imagine running a hundred miles at, you know, tempo, up tempo pace, whatever that means for a hundred miles, and when it's all said and done, you bettered your own American record by less than four minutes. So I just think it's amazing. I mean, we say this all the time, but when Camille sets a goal, uh, all she really seems to have to do is just stay in the race. Mm -hmm. And she comes out on top or she breaks a record or uh, she makes a team. It's just pretty amazing to watch. Except, except that this kind of is interesting because this wasn't her goal. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? But she found so, another goal and she still set another record. Right. So that's kind of the funny thing about this. And, and, and don't get me wrong. I am here for it. And I'm super impressed by her running, you know, 400 laps around a track at eight minute pace. Um, I think that's fantastic. But in my mind, what she did, or at least what it seems to me that she did is that she set out to run for 24 hours and she started too fast. And then she's yep. like, I don't think I can keep this up. I think I'm going to stop at hundred miles. So let me, let me just try and focus on the 100 mile record instead. That, that, that's what it feels like happened to me. <laughs> right. But instead of being out on like a hundred mile point to point trail, where if you mm. have to make any stops or corrections, you really have to almost DNF or at least her experience. I mean, she's in a situation where she's on a track and there was another benchmark that she could go right. for and she right. did it. So right. right. Um, yeah. Very cool. Good yeah, for her. I could just take a second to address something that Michelle said. She said, if you can imagine running up tempo pace for 100 miles and breaking your own 
you know, American record. No, I can't because uh, <laughs> I, don't have you could, you, I was gonna say you're because you're missing the predicates. <laughs> I could I could break something. <laughs> I could I could I can imagine the first part of that. I can I mean, imagine it. I, I can't quite like, imagine the back half of that. You, you guys don't even run eight minute pace. I mean, you're George doesn't on an easy day, but like we warmed up this morning, you know, a little bit above that, and when get, get into a workout. And I just for a hundred miles, I mean, it's not, I'm not, it's not fast. I don't think it's, you know, it's not, but like, but a hundred miles on a track at eight minute pace. I I mean, I also can't imagine, which is why I said that probably. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would break something on my body. That would yeah, and her should, body looks like it's broken when she runs, so it makes no sense. Yeah, that's 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 why she doesn't have to worry about because her body's already broken. Yeah, and, and maybe um, no, she is. She there is no denying that she she produces the speed, man. But but she she nobody will ever mistake her for a a beautiful flowing runner uh, for sure. Um, we should mention since it was a 24 hour race and, and by all means, what she did was incredible. Um, the winner of the race, the 24 hour race, uh, was a woman named Marissa Lezak, uh, and she ran 140.18 miles. Um, and then, uh, second place in the race was a woman named Jan Springer. Um, and she is in the 50 to 54 age group and she set 50 to 54 American age group records, uh, for 24 hours by running 135.17 miles, 100 miles in 1636, 11 and 200 kilometers in 21, 41, 31. So talking about the whole, can you imagine thing? Can you imagine going out for this race, uh, in the 50 to 54 age group, um, finishing second, um, and, uh, and, and setting three records along the way in one single run, that would be pretty dang cool as well. Can you imagine reading these, uh, three ladies running a hundred miles in, um, an hour less than I ran 50 miles, how does that make you feel? <laughs> so they were on a track, Eric, they're on a track. I know, I know, I know. You know what Grace said though? This is really funny. Grace, Grace is a very introverted person, but when she came across the finish line, she, with her, you know, poles in her hand, she raised her hands up over her head and she went, yeah, she gave like this, I've never seen her do this before. It's just like, yeah, finish. And she turns around and she looks at me and she goes, and I've still got a lot of time. (laughs) That was, she's only 18. (laughs) These ladies who are in their thirties and forties and fifties, just killing it. And she's like, I'll, I'll get there. well she's gonna be like she's gonna be like pat right that the you know 50 years from now she's gonna be crossing the united states like it ain't no thing and (laughs) somebody somebody on whatever the uh the 2070 version of of a podcast is is gonna say did did you have any issues did you have any soreness or anything and she's gonna be like well i saw a rattlesnake one time and hurt my hand no she's gonna say well my dad slowed me down a couple of times (laughs) So you're going to run with her since she's never done that distance before. So, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good. Um, on the men's side at the desert solstice, by the way, it was just like a record fest. Um, top performance was a guy named Nick Corey. Um, and he set an American 24 hour record 
Um, he ran 173.01 miles, um, beating the former record by about half a mile, um, which is pretty incredible. Um, dude was uh, was throwing down uh, sub seven miles in the uh, in the last couple of miles there in order to try and beat that record, and he ultimately did. Uh, second place was a guy named Jacob Jackson. Um, he ran 157.33 miles, um, which set a men's 40 to 44 age group record um, for uh, 200 kilometers along the way. Um, and so, so pretty impressive there too. So do y'all have any desire to do anything like that around a track? No. I do. I do. So Eric, so Eric says yes. Michelle emphatically says no. Yeah. Um, I you know, if I had a rubberized track around here, I'd do some of those runs that uh, Brett does, our friend Brett. I would go do the 17, 20, 30 mile run on the track. Just so, to- so, so our, our friend, our friend Brett, who has who has done ultras, who has done 100 milers, who lives in the, the Carolina low country. Um, he he has he does a lot of runs of running like 40, 50, 60, 70 um, laps around the track. Um, and that's, that's kind of what he does. Um, you would do that. You know, it's, it's one thing that Brett and I share, um, about our, our kind of mentality. We don't mind the, the repeated, the, the repetitive nature of something in, in the sense of like, I don't mind the one mile course for a 12 hour race. Uh, I, I never mind, never minded running on the track because it gives you this constant feedback in my mind, it gives you this constant feedback of where you are. Um, I used to really like running on the NC state track. I would do 13 miles and in the middle of the summer, it was fun because eventually I could see my own, you know, steps in front of me cause I was sweating so badly. And then it became like, a, yeah, it, it, so it fun. Became, well, no, it, it's, <laughs> it's a game. It's like a game, you know? And I think, uh, and, and it's a game that you can, you can always do better at. And I, I don't know, that's why I like it. I think Brett and I just kind of share that. It doesn't bother us to do that. What other people would think is complete monotony. Michelle, what's the farthest you've ever run on a track? Uh, what's the longest track workout you've ever given me? <laughs> like, like 24 laps, maybe something like that. <laughs> I mean. Cause you tend yeah. to do your warm ups and cool downs on the track as well. I do warm up and cool down. I typically go the other way. I mean, I've probably run 90 minutes on a track. I don't think I've run anything more than that. Okay. Maybe for just a longer workout. Uh, gotcha. But I ran, I ran, I ran 68 laps around a track one time when I was 19 years old. That's the farthest I've ever gone around a track. In I my can't... mind, you go far. Like you got to go to the mountains. This this ultra running track stuff is. Like there is no, there's no, there's nothing in me that wants to do that. Nothing. I think it's just a different, I think it's a different sort of challenge. Yeah, yeah um, I agree. Yeah. I, it does not appeal to me at all. Mm-hmm. I would much rather be up in the mountains somewhere doing this, but I wouldn't mind if I had a track and I could just go out and do loops. I, I feel like if I had done, if I had the race resume that you have, Eric, and I had done a hundred and I had done some fifties that were hard and that, that, um, had a lot of climbing and, and a lot of hiking and, and scrambling and that sort of thing involved at some point, probably sooner rather than later, I would probably start to wonder, okay, if all of those things were taken out and I was just running the distance, how fast could I go? I would start wondering that. I do wonder. Yeah. And that's, that's why I'm, you know, I'm 
trying to find a track that I can get on consistently so I can do that. I do wonder about that. So very cool. Um, I also cool. though, yeah, I also, I want to cut loose on one of these ultras also mm -hmm. and just, you know, I'm, I love running with my daughter, but I want to, I want the two of us to go out and see if we can like, see how fast both of us can go on our own. Do that, do strolling gym. That's a pretty fast course. It's 40 miles long. And, and we know a guy that's run it like a million times in a row that could probably give you all the ins and outs and advice about how to get it done. So I might just, I might just do that. Cause I hear he likes to talk about running too. <laughs> and you, and he actually likes to go for runs. And so you could actually take him out and go for a run with him. Uh, perfect. If he was in Atlanta next week. I'm going to be down there. I might see you. You guys. are. I am. Okay. Thanks for the heads up there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So we might have that? to get together for a podcast run. That sounds lovely. Deviate Wait, nitros so for everyone. Oh, <laughs> you can buy a pair of mine. Oh, wait, never mind. You have those clown feet. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> I'll be down there. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, Tuesday or Monday night, be there all day Tuesday, and some part of Wednesday. All right. We are definitely going to run together. I am looking forward to that. All but three I will of us. Up in Kennesaw, so I'll be close to your home. Yes, you will. Perfect. So, Michelle, you're going to have to trek out to Kennesaw Mountain here, and we're going to throw down some trail miles. Why can't he just, like, run a workout on Wednesday morning or something? We'll figure <laughs> it out. We'll figure it out. So, so pe pe people on the podcast don't want to hear us, like, hashing out all these details here. Um, all right, Michelle, give us your final thought. I was going to mention this for Round the Horn, but we dived right into uh, Eric and Grace's amazing 50-mile race. But uh, the Rich Roll podcast had – um, Tommy ribs on it this week. We spoke about him and his heroic nine hour run at the New York city marathon. And there's a lot of feedback on it. It was about a two hour and 48 minute podcast. Wow. Um, I listened to it before I ran all of a 75 minute run. I had to actually like stop a few times because it is it's, I, I think it'll be hard to listen all the way through, but it's, it is probably one of the most unbelievable podcasts I've ever listened to. I feel like it was Rich Roll kind of doing what he does um, and doing it best. And, you know, one thing that he said that just, and I don't know, I mean, his level of suffering is far beyond anything I've ever experienced, but um, something he said that really stuck with me, which is also kind of talked about a bit in Brad Solberg's book, but book, but he says, as good as things are, they'll get bad again. For all of us, I guess the key is to not waste that suffering. When that comes, see it as a gift, is an opportunity to open our eyes to value what it is we have, a normal day, just realizing how incredible that is. So in the podcast, he talks about, you know, the moments where he felt like he, he got to choose whether he wanted to die. Like he said, he saw the other side and it looked amazing. And, um, and I would just recommend, even if you're not a ritual fan, this is, this is worth listening to. So this is take it on a car trip, you know, go for a three hour run, just put it on while you're doing something. Uh, but it's totally worth listening to. And then if you guys listen to it, we could talk about it more. <laughs> okay. Okay. Eric, final thoughts. Final thoughts. I promised that I would mention the name of the book I was talking about, about blister care. It's mm -hmm. called fixing your feet by John Vonhoff. And I recommend this to anybody who's getting into ultras. Even if you're not, you're just a runner or marathoner. This is the bomb. It shows you how to prepare your feet before a race. It shows you how to fix your feet during a race. It talks about all the techniques and the, it's, it's not complicated. It's actually really simple. 
but it can be a lifesaver in the middle of a hundred mile or 50 mile or 25 mile or maybe even less. So if you're someone who gets the same two black toes in every marathon or ultra that you do, would that book help you? I think it will. I think well, it will. I need to download that book or something. <laughs> it's better paper. I would, I would say. Okay. Cause it's more of a reference manual than it is a, Hey, let's read this type thing. Yeah. I like paper anyway. How thick yep. is that? It looks pretty thick. It is a pretty pages. thick book. It's a thick book and I've read most of it, but I'll say it's, you know, it's almost 400 pages, but you're only going to really focus on about probably 75 to hundred pages in there. The rest of it is information or stuff that just doesn't apply to what you might be doing. This would fit in nicely with the stack of books next to my bed, meaning it has nothing to do with any other book in that pile because no book in that pile has anything to do with the next book in the pile. So Sounds familiar. Sounds familiar. <laughs> all right, everybody. We will be taking next week off, but we will talk to all of you in two weeks, right around the new year, when we will be reflecting on 2021 and looking forward to 2022. Michelle, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Eric, thanks for being here, man. Yeah, I love it. Love it. Thanks a lot, both of you. Thanks again for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast, on Twitter at pleasantpodcast, or on Instagram, Most Pleasant Exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, so share us with your friends. Don't forget that we're sponsored by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter at itlcoaching, on Facebook at facebook.com slash itlcoachingperformance, and on Instagram, itlcoaching. We're also sponsored by Blue Pineapple Travel, bluepineappletravel.com, facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, and on Instagram, bluepineappletravel. And finally, don't forget we're sponsored by SlayRx. That's slayrx.com, facebook.com slash here for SlayRx, that's the number four, SlayRx, Twitter at official SlayRx, and Instagram, here for SlayRx, the number four, SlayRx. Discount code PLEASANT21. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. See you next time.